Welcome, welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. I am so happy to be here with my co-host, Dr. Pat. I'm so excited. How you doing, Doc? I'm telling you, I love that opener. That is so good. That is so you. Like, it's so yeah. you. <laughs> and I'm not changing it. I want you to know this is our two-year anniversary, yeah. girl. Okay? Yeah, don't change it. So it's really, really cool. And it's the holiday season. And we're getting better. And we're getting yeah. more hopeful. And we have a powerhouse show today because I just love stories of hope. Okay, especially this time of year, right? We just need hope for the holiday season. If you've celebrated Hanukkah, I hope it was a happy one for you. And I hope going forward you have a wonderful Christmas and Kwanzaa and New Year's and all of those things rolled into one. And here today is the perfect story of recovery and redemption. I want to tell you a little bit about the story, and I want to tell you a little bit about the person we have with us today. This is a really powerful story of recovery and redemption from author, novelist, Antonia Montalvo. It is about her new book, Redeemed, and how her spiritual journey pulled her out of the abyss of drug addiction. And we're going to hear something about that. That's really going to be something. We're going to learn about what she has done afterwards, the foundation that she has created, and how she is helping women just like her on the path to redemption. So I can't wait for that to happen. And before we start, I want to tell you a little bit more about her. She is the founder of the Antonia Maria Foundation. She is also co-founder of Day One Sober Living. And as I mentioned before, author of her new book coming out in the spring of 2022, Redeemed. She owns two sober living houses for women here in in our great state of New Jersey. She's also the mother of two boys and a very happily married wife. She, her, her entire core belief is in personalized care, and she advocates for the wide variety of avenues to wellness. It is our pleasure on Recovery Recharge to welcome a colleague and friend, Antonia Montalvo. How are you doing, Antonia? I'm great. I'm doing well. Very, very grateful and humbled to be here. Ready to rock it? Ready to rock it. (laughs) Ready to do, Ellen. You know that book you're giving me? I'm manifesting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I Uh, feel it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm coming with you. I, I could spend the next 20 minutes telling you how the planet and this eclipse and Sagittarius have shifted everything. It started like about seven days ago. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to people, it's like somebody got like a magic wand uh-huh. on Saturday and all of a sudden they're like seeing fairy dust. Well, I did a wellness workshop on Saturday and I was so dizzy, like <laughs> for like 24 hours. Like I couldn't even <laughs> like, I was just uh, the fairy dust. It was all over me. It was, it was working. There and is I, magic in the shift too yeah. for myself. Yeah. And Do we can find- you use catch it right yourself, do you find that you catching yourself a little bit like Ellen? I, let's talk about this show for a minute because part of this is very powerful in nature, and we got to get that message today. But I don't know about you guys, like, I never thought, especially in my early years, first of all, I never thought I'd even be alive, so let's start with that. Mm. But I never thought that I would have the life I have today clean and sober. Yeah, I never thought I'd be on the show when you guys were introducing and talking. I was like, I wanted to cry, like with humility, because it's like, who am I, right? Like, what was I and who am I to even be here? Like, not in a way where I'm putting myself down, but the grace of God and the universe and everything that's become since I've had recovery is just, is, is beyond anything I could have even dreamed of. Oh, my God. Ellen, are we going to talk a little bit about that today? Let's kick it back to you, Ellen. I know we kind of like, I kind of like had to jump in and talk about this a little bit because I do pinch myself some days. And I love that you talked about the anniversary. You know, we have an anniversary. Benny and I have been doing this here together for 18 years. Seriously. Mm. And I have never been more excited 
I'm not smoking anything. <laughs> I got yeah. my espresso. But isn't this the pro aren't the aren't we talking about the promises? Isn't this why Antonio, you decided to take the purpose and passion? Ellen, take it away. Well, you know, I, I know exactly how you feel. Every single time I come up on my clean and sober date, which is September 5, 1985, okay, um, I am always riveted and always thinking about the point in time that um, that I came close to not being alive. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. that was many, many, many times. I was just talking the other day to a friend of mine, counting up the number of cars I rammed into a wall because I fell asleep drunk or I, um, or I was so high I didn't know which was the road and which was mm -hmm. something out of a Robert, Roger Rabbit cartoon because I did so many hallucinogenics and all kinds of things like that. So I am so grateful every single day that I get to sit here and work with people in recovery and see the light in their eyes, see the light bulb go off and really see the mental yeah. and physical change. Or you I can mean. see my eight-year-old in the background. He's peeking his head because he's so proud of mommy. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just creeping back there. <laughs> so we really want to get to your story because you blow me away and, and we've talked a little bit. So first talk to us about what brought you to write this book and and why are you telling your story now? So yeah. talk about and it. And let's make sure we tell people what the book is. Yes. I, well, go ahead. You start from there, Antonio. You describe it. Um, well, it's really it's my it's it's my story of redemption into spirituality and the spiritual self. Um, I was in a rehab, I was at Breathe Life Healing Centers in California. And there he had a whole person approach where, you know, it wasn't just about, it, it was, he had shamans there and emotional freedom technique practitioners. I mean, it was just beyond breath work. And there I just, I kept feeling like my soul was waking up and it was like my call home. Um, so I wrote this book basically because for me, it wasn't just the drug addiction. I was, I was filled with so much trauma and so much life events that, um, you know, I, I didn't have to just get over the drugs. I had to get over like so many other things, my upbringing, where I came from, um, how I saw the world, just all of that. So, and it's my spiritual journey through it, how I had an awakening. I mean, I started, you know, when I was doing all those practices, I started seeing, getting visions and, you know, it was really what, what other people would mimic as psychosis. It was really just me waking up. And that's what the book is about because a lot of people are afraid of it. So they go right back into labeling themselves and it's depression and not to say that people don't have that. I'm not saying that, but for me, you know, a lot of that stuff started mimicking, you know, a lot of the mental health things, but it was really my soul just waking up. My conditioned mind was breaking itself down. Um, so it's all that it was, it was, it's more than just about the, you know, the drugs. It was waking up just into a whole new form. Yeah. And how the universe and how spirit was working through me. I Can love you... that we're talking about this, ladies. Mm -hmm. Ellen, and I love that you have kicked this up. I love. Okay. So look at us for a minute. Mm -hmm. Just for a minute. Back in the day, there was another woman like us. Mm. And she was ostracized. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was probably more like me and Antonia than you, mm -hmm. Ellen, for, for a number of reasons, but I'm just saying, uh, I'm just joking. But she was the voice of Alcoholics Anonymous. Who are you talking mm -hmm. about? Marty Mann. Yes. Marty Mann. One of your heroes. All the rules. Mm -hmm. Went on that television show, What's mm -hmm. My Secret? And the secret was you had to pick which one of them was the alcoholic. Now right. that breaks every guideline about anything you want to talk about. She got on that show and they, the, the, the people had to pick which one of the three people, two men and her was the alcoholic. They did not pick her. Of course not. But look at us. Look at us speaking out to help other people. Antonio, you're doing that. And Ellen, your show is all about it. Exactly. I know. And, and Antonio, you're so brave to be telling this story. Yeah. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what that struggle was like for you in the beginning, yeah. what you did, how early it was, what you were up against? What can you share from the book? You mean my recovery with the spirituality and the spiritual? And before that, before you yeah. were not in recovery, what was going on? 
I want to hear it all. I mean, well, I mean, I grew up if, you know, this is going to go into, I grew up in an Italian American home. My mother was from little Italy, Mulberry street in Manhattan. Um, my father was, um, a very successful businessman, but you know, he grew up in the eighties and that's when all those, uh, you know, suited down, uh, trench coat looking, uh, objectifying women, you know, um, stuff was going on in the New York city ever. And, um, I was born in 1982. So I kind of fell right into that. Um, you know, my mom was a very nurturing, loving woman that, you know, she had to get out of her own stuff, um, of growing up the way that she grew up. Um, and you know, they, they made a great life for themselves financially, but my dad, you know, he was an alcoholic. Um, he was a womanizer. He was, he was, you know, he was a good, he did the best that he could. Um, but I lived a double life. I had no idea, um, of the things that my dad was capable of and what he was doing outside of the home. Um, so it affected you, it affected you adversely and a little bit about your, your, uh, path to recovery in terms of the kinds of things that you found yourself into, not only your family, but what were you doing that got you into so much trouble and, and, and eventually got you to treatment? Well, Um, I mean, I started hanging out with drug dealers. That's how it started and hanging out with criminals and selling cocaine. Um, I was selling kilos of cocaine. It started like that. I wasn't into drugs. Um, it was more for me. That's why I say, you know, it was more for me, the lifestyle that I got addicted to first. And then eventually, um, you know, I started a guy, you know, got diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I got diagnosed with sarcoidosis and health stuff started to happen. Um, and you know, with things that were going on in my life, I wound up turning, you know, addicted. I turned the corner. I was always addicted. I was addicted to the rush of the lifestyle. I was addicted to the excitement. I was addicted to getting over on people. I was addicted to who I thought I was and, you know, my ego, you do know who I am and where I come from. I was addicted to all that first. And then that's really something. Drugs. And that's a real thing. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Pat, we've experienced that too, haven't yeah. we? That yeah. addiction to the lifestyle and the pace mm-hmm. and, and who you're hanging out with. And for me, it was also a celebrity lifestyle that was rubbing mm-hmm. el- elbows with the rich and famous. It was mm-hmm. living a very high life. Was that the same way for you, Dr. Pat? Did you have some of that? Uh, no, I came from the projects. And so my way out of the projects, uh, you know, I say the projects very loosely and in today's world it's very different than it was, but you get the idea. I lived in a community where people were just getting by. I lived with a mom who was an alcoholic and an addict who committed suicide when I was Mm -hmm. six. Um, My sister ate her way to death. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, for me, I got street smart. My uncles gave me boxing gloves when I was five. They prepared me. But what you learn when you're on the streets and you're unattended, you learn how to survive. And some days you do whatever you can Mm -hmm. to get food. And then I became homeless at 17. When I became homeless, everything I learned on the streets, I put into play. So what do you do when you're homeless? Where do you get, you know, albeit it wasn't for like a decade, but man, you start to do those things, Antonia, mm-hmm. that you just described, because that's what you know. I actually exactly. learned how to speak Spanish from being left, like, you know, um, <laughs> <clears throat> like I had a family member who was using and they would just leave me on the streets of Washington, whatever. And I just oh. learned how to speak Spanish. I learned how to <laughs> sell drugs. I learned how to smoke blunts, roll, you know, you, you learn how to emotionally survive, like at all yeah. costs, you know? And you, you don't even have to be involved, but you mm. are vicariously learning by watching other people's behavior. And, you know, you're influenced as a young kid who's watching everybody around you struggle. Mm-hmm. And then you see the shiny object of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or like even a, a man, right? A man. Oh, he's going to get me out of this. You know, that was I never had that like- problem. you know no matter what you know sometimes it revolves around a relationship it revolves around you want to be in the popular crowd it you know it it all goes in that Mm -hmm. direction and for some of us it's based on our family for me it wasn't 
It yeah, wasn't tell my us family what it was like that for you. That down. It wasn't. It wasn't my family at all. I mean, my, you know, I, I was the, the druggie in the family. There was no question that I was that person separate from everybody else. I mean, that that was it. But for me, it was growing up in, in, in the hippie, you know, hippie lifestyle <laughs> and sex, drugs, and rock and roll and make love, <laughs> not war and, 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 and uh, you know, flower power and all that stuff. And let's try a hallucinogen. Let's try some acid let's try some mescaline let's try some peyote you know let's combine them all together and see if you can still be alive you know I mean, that's, that's what it was uh, there's no question i mean let's just see that and and then then i started to date a musician and you know it just happened it was there i mean you know it was always there but but i i, I can't i can't blame my family for for uh, for all of that i mean that that didn't come to me i mean they had a different set of process addictions for my family it was mostly food i think which which was also passed down to me so so is is your family a part of this book tell me antonia who are the main characters in your book um, I mean, I'm the main character and I don't blame my family at any, I think at, I don't blame my family. I, I completely feel like everything I went through is what led me to be here today and to be able to have that strength to create everything that I created. I just think that, you know, um, yeah, it, me, I'm the main character. And then there's stuff about my dad um, because it was a, it was a very, very conflictual relationship. I mean, the mental and emotional abuse that came with it. Um, but I'm the main character in the book. It's really my journey and about myself and, you know, the things that I went through, how I saw it through those eyes and how then I saw it through the spiritual eyes and, you know, a, a book of faith and hope that anybody can get through anything with even the amount, uh, anybody can get through anything. That's wonderful. You mentioned your dad, and I know sometimes it was tumultuous for him. Yeah. You also have a chapter in your book that's called Daddy's Little Girl. Mm-hmm. Why Why is that? Tell us a little bit about what's in that chapter and why it's so impactful for you. I think, you know, for me, it was being so, um, you know, I don't, loving uh, this person who was a monster, right? And really being so confused with what love was the toxicity of it, like what was the meaning of love? I mean, he would manipulate me, tell me to look into my eyes, tell me where your mother was. I mean, I would sit with him while he had, you know, just guns around and 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 watch him watch people on cameras and listen to conversations. And, you know, he was in the 12 steps and had recovery, but then there was this other side of him that was like, you know, he just, his, his view of life was, it was halfway in, halfway out. I don't know. And it was very, you know, and I loved him so much. I was, I was a fan of him. He was my hero. And to see someone do, do acts that were kind of inhumane at times to our, to my family and to myself um, and to other people was very, very conflictual for me growing up. Very yeah. difficult love time. Was very, very, process. very tainted until I learned how to love myself. Boy, you just settled mouthful. You know, um, yep. let me ask you guys a question. I got to really, this is really heavy on my heart right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with as many women as I've worked with, and Ellen, you know about this. Ellen, you work with men and women. But I have never been where I am today in what I'm seeing. And I have a lot of tools in my toolkit. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching these women relapse, relapse. Everything is lost. Relapse, relapse, relapse. And you know, I'm sorry, but I, I don't have another word for it. You can say slipped, but no, I don't I don't like talk like that. And and I for the first time, <clears throat> the only thing I know how to say. Is you just need a desire not to mm. because this is a real struggle in the world now mm. right Huge. you know when i was growing up if you needed to go get something like a drug or you needed to go to get a pint of southern comfort or something you had to go find people you had to like say hey dude go in there and buy that or you had to go down <clears throat> to a different neighborhood and get what you need now you text somebody 
You can get it delivered in a car. But but you get my point, right? How how are we going to help these people? How, help me help these women. Well, there are a number of ways to do that. First of all, understanding that the first part of this goes to the first step in recovery. The person that needs help has to realize that this is making them powerless. Step number one, which we have learned to live by, and every single person that relapses or every single person that struggles, it is because they have never fully accepted the fact that they are powerless over this. Number one, so somebody does have to hit bottom. Somebody does have to say, I surrender. And and I hear what you're saying, you know, and, and there, are, there are so much great treatment out there and Antonia provides things and I provide things as a recovery coach. But the other side of it is something that Antonia brought up, which we really have to address as well. And that is how... Addicts and alcoholics, whether they're in recovery or not, really affect the people around them. How they affect their loved ones in ways that they can't even imagine. And one of the biggest things I do is to work with the loved ones of addicts and alcoholics because they really need a lot of help as well. Here you have a young child like Antonia who spent so much time loving her father because it was her father. And even though you said your father was sober, we know that even though you're sober, you don't have to have recovery behind you because recovery is a sense of doing things differently, making mental changes in your life that will sustain your sobriety. That's what recovery is all about. Recovery is not a question of just staying clean and sober. It's about passing on good healthy values and good ideas and good behavioral health situations, which obviously your father did not. Mm-mm. So it was a difficult role model he set up for you. And I don't, I'm not surprised that you're conflicted at such a young age because of the things that he did and the things that he went through. So is that part of the reason why you have the Italian flag on the front of your book? Tell us about that. I think that it's it's like for me, um, yeah, I think for me it was it was just it was more than the drug addiction breaking yeah. free of. It was the culture, the lifestyle. Culture. Yeah. Um culture is was very, very strong in my family, like being raised Italian, being raised of you know, where I've where I was raised, how I was raised. Um I think that, you know, breaking from all of that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, I want to just follow up with you on that. And I want to kind of reiterate it in a multi-generational way, if I might. Mm-hmm. My mom, back in the day, in the cultures you and I are describing, mm-hmm. Ellen, right? Yeah. What happened with women that were free-spirited and feisty, mm-hmm. they drugged them. Mm-hmm. My dad shot my mother up by giving her a visit to Dr. Jacoby Mm -hmm. and an ongoing, never-ending refill prescription for barbiturates and an open account for alcohol. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot of things like abortions, telling them women they're going to doctors and like crazy stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? How did Basically you get... being subdued. Yes. Yeah. Subdued, yeah. Objectified, you know? Yes. Yeah. I got mm-hmm. boxing gloves, so I'm really cool. My, my, my grandfather was actually a boxer, so that's yeah. nice that you say that. I'm a pretty yeah. good boxer. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, I'm not Halle Berry. I'm not going to be yeah. like that, her in that movie. But, but you're I'll good. Tell you, I, I can hold my own, okay? Yeah. Um, are we going to, what I'd love to talk about to Ellen, if you're open to it, I'd like to know how Antonia went from her journey, right? Recovery, redemption, how she went from there to an amazing life, to give back, to create things that most people dream of, but she did it. See, because that's the part of hope that I hope we get to hear, because that's not just hope, that's hope in action. And that's because we drink espresso. 
<laughs> I, have my, I have my pana right now, water. But, yes, uh, we are water. absolutely going to spend the second half of this program talking about uh, Antonia's journey because she's doing some great work here in the state of New Jersey. But before we break for commercial, Antonia, I want you to tell people where we can find you. Give us your website. Give us the name of your book again and when it's coming out, please. Uh, my name of my book is Redeemed. It's coming out spring 2020. 2022. Yeah. Um, you could find me at Antonia Maria Foundation. Um, also, I'm on Facebook. If any woman needs support, Antonia Montalvo. Um, my website is www.antoniamariafoundation.org. The telephone number is 888-633-2693. And you guys can, you know, get directly in contact with me anytime. Fantastic. And you also, you have a Facebook page as well? Yes, it's Antonia Maria Foundation. And then my personal is just Antonia Montalvo. Fantastic. And of course, especially during this holiday season, please know you can get me at pushybroadfromthebronx.com. I am still doing a private, free, complimentary session for stress relief and for COVID, for anything else you want to talk to me about. 800-889-1757. Let's go to break. We'll be back with Antonia's story. While some of us are outwardly successful, but inwardly feel unhappy and living a life lacking in purpose and meaning, it just doesn't feel good. Well, The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer can help you discover what's important to you and how to go for it. For more information to purchase the book, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or CarlGreer.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. We figured by the time we turned 50, we kind of had life figured out, but we were not prepared for the realities of midlife. Tune in to And That's When I Realized, the truth and comedy of midlife with me, Susan Dolce. And me, Leon Dyer, every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You're not alone in these challenges, and sometimes you just gotta laugh. Find us at SusanDolce.com and LeonDyer.com. Want to ignite your best life full of joy, passion, and purpose? Then join me, Stephanie James, for The Spark, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com, and learn how together we can illuminate the world. Learn more on StephanieJames.world. The best is yet to come. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack, and I'm excited to tell you about the latest technology. It is new to this country, and it's just amazing. It's out of Germany. The Healy is state-of-the-art technology for improving and changing the body vibration. I have more information about the Healy on my website, maryjanemack.com, or you can call the office at 888-777-4232. Can't hear anything. So that's all You're right. Go for no, it. It's such a good song. Everyone got in the mood. We just never stopped talking. Yeah. Go ahead, Ellen. It's all you. Now? Here? Yeah, now. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, oh we're having God. a great time. I hope you're having a great time, oh, too. This is a funny. wonderful holiday season. We're just laughing like crazy. It's Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, dear with my here friend, dear, dear, dear friend, Dr. Pat, <laughs> on the air with author and on Antonio Montalvo, who has written a book called Redeem, which is a story about recovery and redemption. And now I want to talk to her about how she went from where she was to moving into helping others. So kind of give give us a progress report here, Antonia. How did this happen? Um, it happened for me, I think it was, for me, I know it was being in the right place, going to the right treatment center, which was really crucial. Um, so you had Cliff Koblen on your show before. He was my therapist since I was 19. I mean, I got sober at 33. We had a relationship that was like, he tried everything and everywhere. And those cookie clutter places was were not working for me. Okay. So, so finally, finding, the, finding the right treatment is the first Finding step, the right, right treatment is the right okay. step. And so then- for me, the core was trauma. So I had to find a place that was specifically, specifically focused on trauma. That was number two. And then number three, the spirituality. What did I keep doing every time I went into the 12 steps? What was not working for me? Where was the hole that I couldn't connect? And it was always spirituality. Um, so that yeah. was that's that was the three steps. And then go ahead. Okay. So when you talk about spirituality, is it very, very, very important for people to understand you do not mean religion, correct? No. You mean spirituality. So talk to us how you evolved in that spiritual sense and how it took you to doing the work in the foundation. Um, Because I had people show me what it was. So in the treatment center, there was a beautiful woman. I still work with her today. She's a shaman. Um, You know, Tristan Montoya, he was a tapping coach. And I mean, he had breath work, things like just just very beautiful spiritual practices that were simple and easy and effective, but yet were transformational. So um, for me, coming from my background, the talking and everything, it was just it was all so loud. Everything was so loud that I needed to find a place of peace going to meetings for me in that moment. And I'm not saying that it's not right, but I had to go against the grain of what people were telling me because it wasn't working for me. I needed to go inside and I needed to hear the whisper of my soul and I needed to transform in a silent way. I've told my story a hundred times in the sick way. The story was keeping me sick. The story of the book, which I wrote it in a transformational way, that was me as my addict self using it to continue to get high and and to use. So I was highly manipulative. Um, I was trained to be that way growing up the way that I grew up. Um, So I needed to, I needed to find something where I can actually be quiet and let other people kind of, um, you know, guide me from the inside out. So, I mean, I had this beautiful awakening. I mean, we were doing breath work. It was a 45 minute breath work and I started seeing lights and I mean, it was magnificent and that helped me start trusting a little bit more each time. Then we did a shamanic journey where we, you know, connected to our inner child and the power of the imagination, I mean, is amazing. We're at the healing that could happen there. And um, I saw a tiger. And then when I woke up out of the meditation, I pulled a tiger card. And when you're in such a hopeless place, you're like, oh my God, those little things make you believe that God is there, spirit or the universe. You're like, wow, I saw the tiger. And now here I pulled the tiger card. It's like those little, little subtle, subtle things. Not that harsh stuff that I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know, that punishing God, that guilting God. It was fun. It was magical. Um, so Dr. Pat, there. Dr. Pat, did, did mm-hmm. you feel or experience a spiritual awakening like Antonio? Yeah, I, I, I did. And, you know, a kicking and screaming. The good news <laughs> for me, though, I had an experience as a young child. Mm. And uh, I got expelled from Catholic boarding school because I claimed to have talked to Jesus. And the fact was that I, Jesus basically said to me, your mother's with me. I was left on a weekend. Sister Michael Anthony yanked me by the ear, dragged me up to the Mother Superior. Mm-hmm. I walked into the room and Mother Superior had her head down. And Sister Michael Anthony was just all over it, called me a liar and whatever that language is. I don't even remember. 
Mm-hmm. But the bottom line was Mother Superior lifted up her head and said, I have a note from her dad. Her mom is with Jesus. And so for me, for some weird reason, I had a connection. And then I got mad at them all. Mm-hmm. I got mad at them all. Yep. I didn't even know who all of them were. I, I got so mad that you couldn't even say their names. Yeah. And you walk into a meeting and I was like, oh, to God, I understand. I remember the first time I walked into a meeting and they end the meeting with what? The Our Father. And I'm like, do you know how many times I have said, hail me? I mean, honestly, but I have to tell you, I wanted sanity more than more than the pain mm-hmm. of listening to the name of God. Mm-hmm. And then before long, I was all in. You were all in. I understand that. Yeah, so you got to be for, all in. For Antonia, it was a spiritual awakening, and that's mm-hmm. great. I can honestly tell you that my spiritual awakenings came the more I got clean and sober, right? There was no spiritual awakening that took me to the rooms. A very attractive guy took me to the rooms. That's oh, what yeah. Whatever way. Oh, okay. my God. We have to you do a whole show on It doesn't that. matter how you get there. You just get there, okay? Oh, we so have to do a show on that. this very attractive guy took me by the hand, and I was like, I'll follow you anywhere, and that's how I got there. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll do that. So, <laughs> but afterwards, the more I got clean, the more I realized what spirituality is all about. And people have to understand that you you spoke and you said something beautiful. Your soul spoke to you, and that's a wonderful expression. Yeah. I love that whole thing because that's not that's not you know thinking about that you necessarily have to have a message from God, but it comes from your soul, which mm-hmm. makes it so more um, impactful for you, which is really good. So, all right, so now bring us to the Antonia Maria Foundation. Talk to us about how it got started, what the sober homes are about. Talk to us about the work that you do today, please. So I just continue to do um, the next right thing and work with my, you know, with my my guides, my, you know, spiritual advisors and everything. And um, <clears throat> I was meditating and I got this like moment of like, you have to open up women's homes. And through there, I would just go into meditation. I would listen to my soul and I would come out and just kind of write the content that you see. Um, Everyone told me I wasn't going to be able to do it. And like you, I told them Jesus told me I was going to. They all (laughs) laughed at me. And here I am. And he did push me through. Um, I, you know, I have that connection too, where I can hear him speak to me. And, um, and I utilize that. And it's amazing thing today that I can trust that there are things on the outside protecting me and keeping me safe and that I'm not crazy like they told me I was as a child or even through you know certain avenues of you know certain recovery people um, <laughs> so for many but, people out there they don't exactly know what a sober living home is for women so can you explain yeah. that for those of those those of us that don't know what it is yeah so sober living is is the, was one of the most important things that I ever decided to do in my life and that's why I opened it because in rehab you know it's you're in a bubble everything is great and then when you get out it's it's very easy to fall back into old patterns because you're getting around you know family members you're getting around ex-boyfriends or kids or you know so a lot of stuff comes out so sober living really helps you know the individual uh, support them and guide them on their journey as they're new and fresh coming from whatever treatment center there are. And it's like, a, you know, it's, it's, it's guiding them as they jump on the horse and ride and, and ride through this, this recovery journey. Um, so to me, sober living is key to recovery. I think that everybody needs it. Um, I think it's imperative. They teach, you know, you life skills. Um, we teach life skills. We teach people, women, how to get jobs, how to interview, Um, just how to get through day-to-day things, like the little things that come up. My kid is not talking to me because, you know, I've been using for so long and they hate me now. So, you know, being there to help them through that, being a support system, being that anchor for them as they develop and as they ascend and as they transform. Um, So in the houses as well, we also provide a wellness program. So as they're going to IOP, as they're doing their 12 steps, there's the spirituality and the wellness in the house. 
So they receive the one-on-one -on -one Reiki so that when they're, you know, when they're in their groups and they're bringing up tough stuff, they have someone somewhere to go home and to kind of help them surrender that and to ground that back in and to hear that piece of calm that gives them the answer. You know, they go to groups, they hear so much stuff, they come back and they're a lot, sometimes they're, 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 you know, they're conflicted, they're struggling. So it helps that we also help them create sacred space. So inside their rooms, we help them do whatever crystals or family members, or some of them want to, you know, light, you know, essential oils on their pillows. So we help them create that space. So then when they are dealing with what they're dealing with, they have a safe place to feel safe. And I also find by implementing that in sober living, it helps, it stops the turnaround. Mm -hmm. So it's like something pulls them back in when they don't want to go out because they're okay. You know, um, we don't, you know, we're all different in there. I'm, I'm the balance where I can be, you know, I could be tough, but I could, I'm very nurturing and loving my operator. She's more of like the hard, you know, the old school, hardcore, you know, calling you on your. I, I know yeah. that. I do know that that type. That old school. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, yeah. like, I mean, you're looking at somebody that, you know, works with somebody mm. that is so, I mean, old school rubs off on you. But you know what I love about what you said? And let me just ask you about it if I could. Sure. Um, Ellen, you asked a question earlier about spiritual awakening. And one of the things that for me that I was struck by in hearing the, you describe it, there have been different events, I think in each of our lives mm -hmm. and they showed up in the weirdest way, mm -hmm. but lifesaver weird. And, you know, I'm seven years um, in and it's seven years, right? That seven year itchy thing like the seven years, whatever that turns out to be. You're not quite at 10, but you think you've got it going on, right? You think you got enough under your belt that I got this. In some weird way, by my boss's greed, he sends me on a vision quest mm. for 10 days so I could steal this mentor's idea. Now, you know that in the program, that would be like a lifetime of amends that if you ever did that. But what are the odds at that point in time in my life, having a fully paid opportunity to go in a desert for 10 days with a woman, shaman, woman, mm -hmm. and come back? And you know this, you said this, right? You were different when you came back. Mm -hmm, completely. But not just like, Oh, I'm different. But you are like energetically transformed, right, Ellen? Yes, it's it's ta it's tangible. It's palpable. You can feel it. Once you get touched by a spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. you can never go back. That's it's almost it. like you're really being bathed in the light. I know people are going to, you know, you know, uh, people that are listening are going to say, ah, oh, come on. Oh, don't be silly. Unless you experience things and they don't have to be completely transformational. It doesn't mean that the miracle no. has to happen in front of you. It doesn't mean that God has to, to help Moses part the waters. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a deep seated situation where your being, your soul is forever changed for mm -hmm. whatever reason it is and it may not affect anybody else on the planet but it's affecting you it's your own personal miracle and i think this is the perfect time to realize our own perfect miracles right here right now mm -hmm. every single one of us on the in the on the planet has to be grateful that we are alive that we have come through what we hope is the end of a pandemic that by the grace of God, maybe we won't see ever again in our lives. So every single day, we have to have this kind of gratitude that, that brings with us that inner thing that when Antonia was talking about, that inner peace, that inner reflection, that understanding that there is a spirituality in this world that's always with yeah. us. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's to me, the most important part piece of my recovery is that spiritual piece. Yeah. It is. So tell us in, in the houses with, with the girls, how long can they stay with you? Um, we've question. had someone stay up to two years. Um, 
So we ask though for a minimum of three months and they sign a commitment to themselves that they're going to learn self-love, self-respect, that they're going to take care of themselves, you know? Um, so we ask for a minimum of three months, three, three months, and we've had someone stay up until two years. We don't kick anyone out. It's all individually based. Like some need that some need to be there longer than others. So and people have to understand that sober living is available all across the country. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you go, but it does matter who you go to. Yeah. Yes. It's very important to ask about staffing, who's there, how many hours they're there, you know, um, if there's support systems, how are they supporting the, the person you're sending them to? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because in sober living, you know, the cost thing, because insurance doesn't cover them. So we understand Um you know, we, I try to make it as affordable as possible, but at the end of the day in sober living safety and is, 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 has to really, that people, we really have to up it with sober living. I've heard too many stories of, of not things that happen because there wasn't enough staffing. And you have to abide by certain rules and regulations. Do you not? Are you bound? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so the first 30 days, the only thing that they're allowed to do is leave for, um, you know, for recovery stuff. So IOP, things like that, meetings, yeah. um, sponsors. Um, and then after that, the curfew is 10 o'clock during the week and then 11 o'clock on the weekends. In order to get sleep outs, you know, they have to ex- they have to be doing everything they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and they also have to fill out a form. They have to fill out what are they doing? What meetings are they going to attend? who are they going to reach out to if there's an issue and then where they're going to be. So in case we need to contact them or we need to contact where they said that they are, we are able to do that. Um, so, and that has to be given in 48 hours so that before they sleep out, we can discuss what their plan is going to be while they're in their sleep out. Cause that's stuff happens. Um, we also connect with the IOPs and we connect the families weekly. We feel like you have to be on the same page. Um, we want to know when medications change. Yep. We want to know everything. We are not playing um, with the safety of the women at all. Yeah. So, um, you know, my operator just had a situation where someone was getting offended because she was asking them questions. And she said, listen, this is my job. I need to know how much you changed the prescription to and what pharmacy you're sending it and what you're, you know, and the, the doctor at the place got a little offended because who's little sober living calling and asking these questions. Yeah. But we don't care. We, we do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so it just proves that you take mm, great care in what you're doing and, mm-hmm. and that our, our, our listeners need to know that this represents transitional living. That's yes. the most important thing yes. that when a woman comes out of a treatment program, they can't mm-hmm. just sometimes reintegrate into regular everyday life. No. Also knowing that the same is true for men because mm-hmm. sober living in this country is a very popular thing. And there are sober living houses all over the the country but you have to be a certain age you have to be 18 and over in order to be in the house and some rules are are, some houses are a little bit more restricting there are certain rules like Antonia mentions for her foundation specifically the name of her two houses are Gracie and Leo's which I think is you know Mm. fantastic those are the two houses here in New Jersey in in an excellent area and and she takes great pride in the things she does so Mm -hmm. I want you to check out what sober living is all about and realize that this is a very good transitional step for women. Also, Antonia, speak to the kind of women that you have, because people think maybe it's just for young women. So talk to them about the population of women that you see. I mean, we get anywhere from 18 to 75, you know, Um, our more population is, is people that um, are are more on the, the, we just get it. We get everything. Mm -hmm. Alcohol and addiction doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. I mean, it it doesn't matter who young, beautiful, rich girls to, I mean, it it doesn't discriminate. You know, there's no face to it. I went to Mountainside in Connecticut. Those people all look like they just came out of a Vogue magazine. You know, it just doesn't discriminate. Look at me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it doesn't discriminate. So we get all walks of life. And when there's an age difference or an age gap, we make sure we just, we, we keep it, we keep it, you know, just centered on the self-love stuff and it works out because the older women really gives the wisdom to the younger and the younger girls kind of give that pep and that step to the older women. Like it works out. It really works out. Yeah. And that's, what's so beautiful about it. You see, 
I love that we're demystifying so many things. That was a great question, Ellen. I love that we are having a conversation and demystifying it because these are questions that people, especially loved ones mm-hmm. of family members are afraid to ask, right? Yeah. And yes. I love the way you described the way you operate as safety because another misconception is, and Ellen, you nailed it. Great. You're coming out. You got an X amount of days. Oh my God. Let me just go get my job. Let me just seriously. We've had to tell people some, some women we've had to call their IOPs and their therapists and says, this person is not ready to not go ready. back to work. Yep. That's yeah, a hard conversation. It is a very hard one because they think sometimes you'll get the practitioner, the therapist, or the sponsor that will say you're enabling and you'll say, no, they're in the house. We see more than you, you know, but um, yeah. So sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to pick no, up. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. what I love about this is there, there are so many different, there's so many different styles that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the person that if I'm running a meeting, and you think you're going to bring your slip up for me to sign mm-hmm. like halfway? No way. That thing sits right at the table. I don't care if you stand there. But that's just the way I was groomed. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we have one thing in common. We want people to succeed. Not just in sobriety, but in life. hmm that's, isn't that what you're doing, yeah. Ellen, both of you? This is what it's all about. This is why we try, and I try every single time that we do this show, is to show that there's hope mm-hmm. in recovery. This is why the show name is Recovery Recharged. <laughs> Because we are constantly recharging our recovery. Every mm-hmm. single time you and I go on the air and do this show, I feel like we finished a meeting. I want to say <laughs> to our father after the meeting, I want to keep saying to the whole world, it works if you work it, and now we can go, right? We want to just do that. Yeah, but I want to recite the promises. It's absolutely the truth. And I know we've got about two more minutes left to, to, yeah. to the show today, but I want to let everybody know that that's what this is about. Because when somebody comes out of treatment, it's just the beginning. You're still a newbie. You're like a new puppy. And and I always have told all of my clients that it's, it takes a very, very strong person to say, yes, I can. But sometimes an even stronger person to say, no, I can't. Yeah. No, I can't just make that transition into the real world and everything should go back the way it was. I can't do that I have to look at it where I need something else in between and Antonia Montalvo's um, halfway houses or sober living houses because that's what they call them Mm -hmm. so a halfway house is a sober living living. a transitional living house which is what it is um, is something that you can look into because she runs a really tight ship and 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 the accommodations are lovely and and where they are are lovely and she pays individual attention to every single one of the women that she talks to and she works with and yeah. and that's that's because she gets it it's part it's, of her own spiritual journey right so it's more needed it, now than ever it's right. never been now. more needed than it is right now ellen right exactly so at the end of this in our show antonio again tell us are your links tell us where to reach you um www.antoniamariafoundation.org antonia maria foundation on instagram on facebook antonia montalvo on um facebook um 888-633-2693 uh email antonia maria foundation at gmail.com i'm here even if you want to send anyone to a sober living you you want to ask me what questions are great to ask we have a wellness support group as well on sundays um, that you all can join and i'm here Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Dr. Pat, as always, it's wonderful to be with you. This is the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Thanks for a great show. You've been listening to Recovery Recharged with certified life and recovery coach, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery Let go of your secrets and change the way you think, feel, and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.